Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Pav. And I'm Neil. And welcome to the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's start the countdown! 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. So, what's your number 10? My number 10 is... Right, that's my number 10. Hey! Well, but mine is the Michael Bublé version. Oh, okay. Mine is the Mariah Carey version. Okay. Um, right, okay. Uh, not in your top 10, <laughs> Not in my top 10, I'm afraid. So it didn't even make it, hey? <laughs> no, it wasn't even on my second list. And I only thought of the um, Mariah Carey one. I'm just not a big fan. Too many woes going on for me. <laughs> So, so why is it in your top 10 then, Loz? Uh, I think it's a very um, happy song. And it reminds me of Love Actually, the film, because it, it okay. features in that film. And obviously I love that film. And um, I just think, isn't it one of, I, I don't know the exact stat, but isn't it one of the most played Christmas songs of all time I think time it's or the something. I think it's named the, the most, yeah. most played I felt like yeah. I needed to put it in there but it was number 10 because it's not necessarily like I wouldn't necessarily go oh let's play Mariah like mm. I'm not a huge Mariah fan actually but I do particularly like that song well, I heard I heard Michael Bublé's Christmas album for the. I mean, it's like ten years it's been out this year for the yeah. first time a couple of weeks ago, and there's a, a slow down version of All I Want for Christmas Is You on there, oh, and it okay. is really really. I mean, I don't mind the original if it comes yeah. on. I'm not going to turn it off because I quite like it. Like you say, it's quite a, it's a jaunty ditty. Okay, yes. Wednesday, it's a jaunty <laughs> but I listened to that. Have you heard the Christian Aguilera, like, You Are Beautiful? Yes, yeah. yeah. It sounds a lot like that. It's that kind oh, of... Oh, okay. And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really nice. And I was really surprised because I'm not a Michael Bublé fan. I yeah. really loved that Christmas album. It was just great. We were, like, we were driving to London, going for our weekend away, and had that playing. And it was like some really, I mean, they're all the classic Christmas songs, but there were some really good versions. So, um, yeah, like Michael, Michael Bublé, well done. So you're and now think, a Bublet. Um, 
I'm just I'm probably just a big bubble. A big, I think. Or, or just a big booby. A big, a big um, booby, yes. There's also some crazy stat to say that like Mariah, she doesn't really need to do anything ever anymore because that song will keep her going for the rest of her days. Well, that's like yeah. that is and that's one of the questions that always comes up at the this time of year is like how much yeah. will Noddy Holder make from this the Slade song and how much will Shaking Stevens make? Yeah. And they it is like well, it's hundreds of thousands of pounds yeah. every year. Pay, you, if you it? get yourself a, a, a Christmas hit, it'll pay for you for the rest of your life. I mean, mm. that's when you need a time machine. Go back and, and write Stop the Cavalry by Jonah Louie and, and just retire. <laughs> that's all you need. Right, Neil, you're number 10. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Oh, you want my song? Sorry. No, it's <laughs> the most wonderful time of the year by Andy Williams. I love I've that version. That. Have you? Oh, where's that? What number for is that me, on yours? it's it's my number four. Wow! Mm. Ooh, yeah, it's a lovely song. I'm an Andy Williams fan, anyway. But um, I just it just puts you straight in the spirit, doesn't it? You, you listen to that, and you can smell the eggnog. You're away. <laughs> uh, I think it's a, it's a great. It's just a great song, isn't it? And with the kids jingle belling. <clears throat> Uh, absolutely <laughs> jingle what jingle belling oh, I always thought you said jingle belling <laughs> <laughs> no 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 we that will have belling we will have belling we'll talk about belling a little bit later on but. but yeah I don't know about you Loz but it, it's one of the songs that really does put me in the Christmas spirit it, it really feels that it's Christmas has started beautiful velvety voice as well isn't it it's just yes. so Christmassy and it just makes me feel like it's a warm Christmas blanket put me around it's the most wonderful time of the year it and is. it's also like um, I think it features in a few of the classic Christmas films as well doesn't it mm, so yeah. it kind of reminds yeah. those kinds of things as well and it became very popular on TV adverts at Christmas, didn't it, that one? Yeah. It was very yeah. much a go-to. Song. I noticed we watched a few Christmas films on, over the last weekend and how many films re, like went to that song and also Jingle Bell Rock. Mm. There's loads mm. of films that just for some reason, it's, like, it's a go-to song in movies. They must be cheap to, to have in movies or something. Probably. Everybody <laughs> has them. Uh, right, my number 10 is All I Want for Christmas Is You, uh, the Buble version. The booby version. I'm going to call booby it booby version. <laughs> okay, right, Josh, you're number nine. So my number nine uh, is Jamie Vardy. Oh, um, because I just feel he's scored an unbelievable amount of goals in quite a short space of time. Uh, I don't think he's in the top ten, is he? But he has scored a lot of goals. Mm. I just think he's, he's, there's a hell of a story to, to Vardy. First of all, he is the biggest shit house <laughs> in the game. Like he loves it, doesn't he? He loves winding the fans up, cupping his hands to his ear, all that. And there's something about someone making themselves such a villain, which I sort of admire a little yeah. bit in a weird, yeah. weird way. He is absolutely lethal. He does not care about anything. You know, the other was it a few was it before Christmas? He, he scored against Watford and went and celebrated in front of Ranieri, who he won the league with, yeah. <laughs> like, and all that. And obviously, it's an unbelievable story as well, you know, to come from non-league, working part-time, playing part-time, to being one of the leading scorers for quite a few seasons now. I just, I admire him. I definitely, I would, he's definitely the sort of guy, though, that, like, if he turned around at the bar and bumped into you and spilt his beer on you, you'd buy him another pint because he'd definitely yeah. gla- he'd glass you. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. You'd be getting him another vodka and uh, Skittles or whatever it is that he drinks. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so Jamie Vardy's my number nine. 
Yeah, he was. But, yeah, Klinsman knocked him out of my top ten. I have to admit. Did he? Yeah. I was going to say I, I watched an interview with him, and I have to say I, my respect for him went up a bit more when he, he literally admitted that he took nothing for granted on his career Ooh. because of how hard he had to work going up the non-league and everything. Yeah. And he came across really well on that interview. I really, yeah, my opinion of him changed. I always thought he was a little of a little bit of a toe rag. Yeah, but he's nicely. supposed to. He's supposed to. They're making a film of him, aren't they? Of his life, apparently. Well, that's oh, been, that's been sort of going since the the. the well, I suppose the other thing I didn't even mention there is that amazing Leicester season where, yeah. where I know you probably won't thank me, uh, Neil, because it was Tottenham fans that lost out. But yeah. that season was just for a neutral who didn't yeah. support either. I think for pretty much everyone except Spurs fans, that season was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I mean, even, I, even though as a Spurs fan, I admire it. You've got to, you can't not, can you? Yeah, I th- I, that's the one thing about you, Neil. I don't understand how you can be so calm on those kind of things. <laughs> I've sat in the room with you when Liverpool beat Tottenham at the European Cup final. Yeah, and you just did that. You just shrugged. I go fucking mental. I, I'd be so bad. I mean, like, I just, I mean, I, I don't. I guess though, like to, to come to Neil's defence, it never finishes, does it? No. So there's just always another season. It's well, like uh, yeah. it's like if they make it like I know Doctor jumps onto another topic. It's like if they make a Batman film and it's shit. Don't worry about it. In five years there'll be another <laughs> Batman film. Exactly, so they'll just keep making them. It's, exactly. it's, you know. That is true. I mean, I, I, I've been I, I disappointed that, that many times supporting Tottenham. It's not going to be. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't take anymore. It's all. I'm full. So yeah, what's your, do shrink. you have like a do you have like a, a best memory of being a Tottenham fan? Oh, Christ. We're going right back into the 80s now. <laughs> the last trophy Rovers won, actually, was against Tottenham. Was it? It was the Worthington Cup final, which is now, I don't know, the Milk Cup, the Carling yeah, Cup. Oh, whichever one. Carabao. Carabao. Carabao, that's yeah. it. Um, yeah, so that, that we, we won, and I think Hoddle was managing you at the time. Yeah, so that was the last cup we won, actually. So what, 2008, I think. Oh, of course, yeah, that. yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, Jonathan Woodgate, wasn't it? Yeah, with, so had, like when when he had Modric and stuff in the team. That's yeah, just they'd not yeah. long been there. Yeah, it was good. Was good. Yeah. There you go. Right, Neil, you're number nine. Um, I've got Steven Gerrard at number nine. Oh, he's my number six with he's 120 my... goals that he scored. But yeah, he's always somebody that I would really want in my team uh, when he was playing. I used to watch him, and I've always had a little soft spot for Liverpool because it seems to be every one of my friends is a Liverpool fan. Not any of them. <laughs> nothing but a Liverpool fan well you've um, only got two friends Neil to be perfect yeah well I, I would say I've got other friends but I'm not going to call them friends because they support Arsenal so I'm oh, right. okay. he's, he's in my list as well he's my number five he's no yeah. number five right so, okay yeah but yeah. he was just one of those players that well, you knew he was Liverpool through and through and was never going to really leave. But He, he very just, nearly did, though. He well, very nearly went to Chelsea that one year. He did, didn't he? Money yeah. was nearly the, the yeah. sway, wasn't it? And, I mean, I always think to myself, it's like those moments, those sliding doors moments, like what would have happened to Chelsea? Well, I mean, I don't think anything different would have happened to Chelsea, but it could have absolutely... Crippled Liverpool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the whole team was built around. It's like we, so one of my favorite one of those sliding doors moments. So there's two Rovers ones. We almost got Zidane and we almost got Lewandowski. Uh, so we almost right. got Zidane after we won the league. Dog Leash went to Jack Walker, who's the owner, and said, uh, I really need to strengthen the squad to compete in Europe. 
I've seen this young lad at Bordeaux, Zinedine Zidane, going to go sign him, he'd be cheap. Jack Walker said, why would you want Zinedine Zidane when you've got Tim Sherwood? Yay! So, <laughs> and the other one was we apparently, we had all but done a deal for Lewandowski and then that fucking Icelandic oh. ash cloud, the ash cloud from oh, 10 yeah. years ago, really? stopped him flying over and he went somewhere else instead. Um, Dortmund or wherever it was he went. So it's, it's crazy, funny. But it? I mean, Gerard was unbelievable, wasn't he? I mean... <laughs> So I, I will put my cards on the table and say that Lampard was in my list and oh I couldn't, and, and I was I was thinking about saying I'll put them in together at the same end, just, <laughs> just so that they're together even in this as well. <laughs> but um, for me, Gerard pips it because he made bad teams or average teams better. Whereas yeah. Lampard, I don't know if he ever really played in an average team. Even when he was old and he went to City, he was still in a good team. Yeah. Gerard, you know, he dragged some of those awful Liverpool squads through some unbelievable games. Like, you know, the, the, the AC Milan final. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I, I still look at that squad now and, and think, how did we win that game? How did we get to the final? Let yeah. alone, how did we win that game? But it, but Gerard was there, was orchestrating it all. Um and he is one of the, it's great that he's like a one club well, player in, in playing, but he's also one of those people that you sort of, it, it seems like he's being tailored to become Liverpool manager sooner or later. Mm. But will that ruin his legacy if he does that? One of the saddest things I've ever seen is when Dalgleish came back after Hodgson oh, yeah. and then he, and then he got sacked and it was one of the worst things to see that yellow ticker on sky saying Kenny Dalgleish sacked as Liverpool manager. It's so, Cause he is the King. Yeah. And for someone like Gerard, to, he, he, if he isn't successful, does it ruin the whole? I mean, if I, if I was Gerard, I, w- I wouldn't go back. No. Um, and that's not, I just, like you say, leave it as it is. It's fine. But if you are Steven Gerrard, Liverpool through and through, someone offers you the Liverpool job, you've not really got a choice, have you? Uh, of course. It's the same as Solskjaer. Yeah. United, it, it's exactly you, that. You've yeah. got to do it. You've got to do it. Uh, right. My number nine, um, it seems like my top 10 is all about Tottenham, uh, is Harry Kane. Oh, Neil, you've not got him in your top 10? Maybe. He is oh, not right, in mine. Okay. I can say he's not, not in, in yours. Okay. No. Um, now, the thing is, I thought about Harry Kane a lot because there's parts of me that, that just doesn't like Harry Kane. <laughs> and which, I was which, trying to... Which parts? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the slick back hair, yeah. for one thing. Um, the way he talks, but that's getting a bit personal now. <laughs> uh, but I was trying to think, right, what is a great Harry Kane goal? And I couldn't think of one. I couldn't think... You know, again, I'm not a Tottenham fan, so I don't... Like, I don't look at Tottenham clips like I look at Liverpool clips. You know, I could I could tell you what the top ten Stephen Gerrard goals were. You know what I mean? Because I I live and breathe watching Liverpool stuff like every day. Whereas with Tottenham, I don't. Um, but you can't deny the fact that he is a fantastic goal scorer, which is what mm. we're what we're doing. How much of that is because of the players that he plays with? How much of that is natural talent? I know that he he's worked very, very hard. He's done what you're supposed to do in football, gone on loan to, you know, places that no other people would want to spend a wet Tuesday night. And he's done his apprenticeship. He's done all that. And he's come out, England, he's going to be England's top goal scorer. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, it's not going to be next, long, is it? Probably the next round of games, isn't it? Yeah, Depends more than likely. Who they, who they play. But more than likely. Have you ever seen that picture of him and Vardy? No. 
Tim and Vardy sat on the bench when Leicester were in championship. Oh, really? Watching the, watching the, they might be watching that famous Leicester-Watford championship playoff final, you know, the one that was like really, with the really, really late goal at the end where right. Troy Deeney. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the, his, him and Vardy sat on the bench watching the game. It's wow. quite funny considering that they're both, you know, considered to be two of the best strikers in the league. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he, he isn't on my list, but I guess I just don't have that much affection for him. But I do think yeah. he's... He's an unbelievable striker. He's, you know, I do think he's really, really good. Yeah. He, he comes across. I thought he came across quite well in the documentary. The all that was it, all with all or nothing. The all yeah, nothing yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. he came across quite well in that. I don't know if he's necessarily a captain though. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same. I, I don't quite know why he is England captain when I think there's people that could do it better than him. Well, he's not uh, regularly a Tottenham captain anymore. It's usually Lewis, Lewis, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Right then, uh, Ross, what's your number eight? Um, it is the only one of mine that actually is a Julia Davis comedy, Nighty Nights. Um, I said, you know, that's that's probably uh, that's a surprise possibly to some people because um, I run a Julia Davis fan group and yeah. I love everything she does. And it was difficult to, ch- I wanted to have one of hers in it, um, but I couldn't, I was, I'm in an eye between uh, Sally Forever, Hunderby, Human Traffic, which included, which had Rob Grace, uh, not Rob Grace, uh, Rob Bryden in it. Yeah, <laughs> Rob Grace. Sorry, you never told us. But Nighty Night, I think, is the one that sort of defined her, uh, mm. sort of on the map a bit. And uh, it's just really dark and twisted, and funny. Know, disabled woman who's made to eat cat shit, and she's serving prawns in milk, and and all kinds of weird stuff. It's it's just dark and wonderful. Mm. It was yeah, on my honourable list. Was it? it? Was yeah. Was it? it nearly got in. It was very funny. I'm a fan of Julia Davis. I think she did write some brilliant stuff. That's my uh, favourite one of hers. I must admit. Yeah, uh, but it didn't again. Didn't make my list. But it she does. Too, but yeah, she does some um, uncomfortable, really good again, and it's right up my alley. And we can never <laughs> listen to Lavender by Marilyn ever again. Well, hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, go on then, Neil. Your number eight is uh, Gavin and Stacey. Now, this, I put it on here, originally, I'd never watched it the first time around at all. I didn't even, wasn't really, I, I shrugged it off as if, nah, it's not my sort of thing. Nah, nah, I can't be bothered with that. And then when I was married with the kids, um, the eldest of the kids suddenly started watching it and then was given the DVD box set. So I sat with them and watched it and thoroughly enjoyed it. So much so that it's become a staple that when it's on telly, it's always just left on and I enjoy it. But I have to say, it was nearly let down on my list because of the the Christmas special. Not that I hated it, I just didn't think they needed it. It no. wasn't. It was pointless. It wasn't wasn't needed. But yeah, I think it's a very easy. It's almost like watching a documentary sort of style, isn't it? Um, very easy going and uh, and funny. It's when James Corden was funny. But see, that's the reason why I wouldn't have it in my top ten. Because I just, <laughs> I just, I just, I. It's weird because I love Gavin and Stacey again when it first came out, mm. but I am done with watching things with James Corden in it. It's just, <laughs> it just feels like he's just every well him and Romish ranging Nathan are everywhere. Yeah, they're just everywhere, and I just can't stomach it anymore. Yeah, I know. I sort of know what you mean, but I don't feel that is James Corden in the original couple of series. It, it was first, like well, was it? It was. I yeah. mean, it wasn't the first thing he was in, but it was. It was because of Gavin and Stacey that he's everywhere. More yeah, so. yeah. Um, I think it's great. I, I do like it. It wasn't on my long list, but I think it was one of the forgotten ones. 
wouldn't have made the shortlist, but it was, um, yeah, I, I it, again, it's kind of almost like a guilty pleasure because it's not cool to like Governor Stacey, I don't think. Is it not? Not no, I'm so late to it. I think it was when it first came out, wasn't it? But it's, yeah, it's weird. I was so late to the party of that one, but I really enjoyed it. I sort of thought, yeah. why did I not watch this? I actually think that the writing is really crisp and Rob Brydon's just so good in it. And He's just a legend in it, isn't he? Really is great in it, yeah. Yeah. Okay, my number eight, uh, something, again, straight out of my childhood, uh, The Young Ones. Oh, that's um, my um, number five. <laughs> it's a far away short bit of paper, Neil. It's my eye. I really need my eyes tested. I'll tell you, I've got to get some bifocals or something. Um, this one, it, it, it hasn't aged well, but at the same time, it is a perfect slice of what the 80s was like. Mm. As in 80s TV, the whole alternative comedy movement. Um, and it was exactly the, where are you? Where are you <laughs> this is my way. He's, he's dancing, isn't he? Oh, you've got to watch this on YouTube. I mean, Ross is he's like a fire starter, a twisted yeah, fire starter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was as a kid, it was the V thing you had to watch, and then you had to watch it on the night because everybody would talk about it at school. Everybody would do their Rick impressions. Everybody would do their Neil impressions. Everyone would do their Vivian impressions. They wouldn't do Mike impressions because, you know, he wasn't the cool one. He wasn't the fun one to to talk about. But for, for me, it was one of those shows that sort of shaped my, shaped my comedy brain, if you like, because I loved everybody. I loved the comic strip presents, that whole thing. You sort of felt, because this whole thing about, alternative comedy which wasn't really it was just doing something that wasn't terry and june and mm. the good life as much as they took the piss out of that on the actual show didn't they were they yes did. they did <laughs> yes exactly it's just one of those shows that i i mean I, I would i don't think my kids have ever watched it i'd be interested to see what they would think of it if they watched it because uh, i let them watch things like gimme 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 when they were little and they are shocked now when they watch it because they understand what the the comedy of yeah. it was. Whereas it used to be just like this brash, like lady with ginger hair, you know, just being loud and funny. So when they're little, they wouldn't, they didn't understand what they were saying. It was just a funny cartoon to watch. I think it'd be interesting to see whether they would, have, would they would have thought the same if I'd let them watch the young ones then when they were little because it mm. wasn't more like a you know, a living cartoon, but. Uh, yeah, it's one that I've I've revisited again quite um quite regularly. Pop it in and have a watch. I still find it hilarious, but I don't know whether that is because of, it's of our time in the eighties when we were. And imagine going to school being called Neil when that was prime. <laughs> I still do Neil Neil Orange. You do Neil. <laughs> you do that has never grown old. I bet it hasn't. <laughs> do you know I'm what I mean? Actually- I much prefer it to bottom. Um, yeah. And obviously they go sort of hand in hand. Can I snip that little bit of audio? Can I just have that? Little- <laughs> <laughs> Good job. I didn't go. I prefer bottom then. No, um, that is right. Um, I, I, yeah, you're right. Funnily enough, I remember when I was at school and people must have just discovered it as well, but repeats of, and we're repeating quoting and stuff in, in at school as well. So I think uh, that quotability of it sort of definitely resonates through the, through the generation. Mm. And I can imagine having a name like Ross in the 90s must have been a nightmare. Oh, because, yeah, I mean, the amount of times I've told Ross, like in Friends, to, you know, international students or international 
shopkeepers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> International shopkeepers. <laughs> okay. Oh dear. Is that a PC way of saying something then? Uh, no, no. It <laughs> I just I thought I was going I was gonna go with homeless and then I thought, oh let's, let's be more PC than homeless. Shopkeepers. Oh no. <laughs> okay, let's move on to uh... So Andy number seven. Beatrix Kiddle, the bride from Kill Bill. Um probably Tarantino's I like it. I've liked all of Tarantino's movie, but probably his last really great one was Volume One of Kill Bill. I think. Right. Um, I like Django. I like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I like Inglorious Bastards, but I think his. In fact, I think Kill Bill was probably him reaching that peak that he, the, the, the peak of his momentum mm. that he had with Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and then he done great with Jackie Brown, and then Kill Bill Volume One just as a, an action movie and as a, a kind of love letter to Eastern cinema as well, mm-hmm. possibly a wee bit um, stereotypical at parts. Um, the fight with the crazy eight, the Oren Ishii fight. Um, and also Kill Bill Volume 2 I really like as well. It's just a bit uh, underwhelming, I think, compared to the first one. Um, more of a... I feel that one has more of a Western feel, as in Western-style yeah. movies yeah. than, than Kill Bill 1. Mm. Yeah, he very much went for the Leone look, didn't he? Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the long trawl through, rather yeah. than everything being snappy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a great movie, Kill Bill. I'd love to see the whole bloody affair. Aye. Oh, we were saying that when we used to do our mm. movie podcast, weren't it, Neil? It was, oh, there was rumours that it was going to be coming out, and it was going to be like a four-hour... Yeah. Yeah. yeah along with Saving Private Ryan, I think it's got one of the most sort of ball-busting gut-punching starts to a movie, mm-hmm. Kill Bill Volume 1. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was, uh, where I was working at the time, we used to have a Friday, because we used to finish at like 12 o'clock on a Friday, we'd go to the cinema and watch a movie, and it was Kill Bill Volume 1. And like when, I mean, again, fuck spoilers, because everyone would have seen it by now. But when the, bride, when the bride gets shot in the head, it's fucking hell, what was that? Mm. And then she has the fight with... Um, Oh, it was a Fox, isn't it? Um, yeah, a Fox. And the way that that fight finishes, mm. you think, fuck, I've got no idea what's going to happen now. Because that was a thing with a Tarantino movie. If someone went into a room, you had no idea whether there was going to be someone the other side of the door with a gun that's just going to shoot their face off. Yeah. You know, it's just like you just didn't know with a Tarantino movie. So you were always on edge, always mm. thinking that something bad was going to happen. Uh, yeah, I love I love both of those movies. Yeah, great movies. Snuck into that one as well. Um, <laughs> I think it was 2002, maybe. So I would have been 15. Um, I bought a ticket for Finding Nemo, I think, and walked out and sneaked snuck in and prayed that no one noticed me. Back when you used to be able to do that, when there was yeah, very little CCTV. The great, the great days, pay for one film and watch three. Yeah, thank God you didn't get out the wrong way round. But you was going to see Kill Bill and all of a sudden Finding Nemo come up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, go on then, Neil, you're number seven. Rocky, Rocky Balboa, what's yeah, not to say? Yeah, he's number three. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, just from the first movie, isn't it? Um, a poor lad done good, come through the ranks and got up there and did the business. It's, it's, uh, all the Rockies, in their own way, are inspiring. I mean, Rocky Two, not so much. That's a little bit dull, Rocky Two, isn't it? 
a lot of going on with the adverts and all that shit. But Rocky Three, yeah, you saw the human side. I mean, I still find that heartbreaking when Mickey dies. Um, and Mr. T, what an asshole he is in that. But yeah, he's he's an inspiring, inspiring hero. And especially now in the new Creed and that, I find it really nice that they sort of brought it around. I mean, and has anybody watched the new cut of um, Rocky Four? No, I saw the documentary. Right. I saw the documentary of him putting it together. Which looks apparently like it's really good, isn't it? Yeah, apparently it makes it a yeah. lot better. So I'd be intrigued to see that. They completely cut the robot out. The robot yeah, in the um, number four, the one that oh, um, uh, what the gift for the Paulie, son. the one that Paulie was having, yeah, fucking with. <laughs> Thank God. Just, Thank God. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Touching again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. My number seven is uh, from Harry Potter, and it's Neville Longbottom. Oh, um, again, we started watching. The, the Harry Potter movies again and, and Deathly Hallows. It's not just Deathly Hallows. There's a couple of bits during the whole Harry Potter saga that, that Neville Longbottom's the one that sort of stands out as a bit more mm-hmm. of a hero than... I mean, obviously Harry Potter is a big hero because it's his story, but mm-hmm. Neville Longbottom's the one that sort of... He, he isn't a hero, but will do heroic things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he you is know. a hero at the end of the the saga, isn't he? When if he picks the sword him, out. Yeah, if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have um, they wouldn't right. have killed he who shall not be named. Mm. He's, uh, quite a, he's quite a he's quite a constant through line in the movies, isn't he, Neville? He's like a um almost like a there's a lot of naivety about him, but when he needs to, he does step up. He'll stand mm. up to the bully. He'll um he'll stand up for his friends and that's what he'll, he, he I think in the books it seems like there's a bit more piss taken about him than maybe in the movies mm. um, but yeah definitely in the, in the movies he's he's one of the kind of the constants the constant good throughout the whole thing yeah, yeah and the fact that he, okay in the first movie he stands up like say to his friends and gets frozen but then wins mm. the points that wins whatever it is the hype's cup or whatever um, and then in the last one, he stands up to Voldemort, you know, mm. thinking that Harry is dead. Uh, mm. What a hero. Yeah. Legend, a, a great name as well. <laughs> Neville Longbottom. Plus, that, is right. a, that guy has aged well. And yes. <laughs> he just looks like Clive Owen now. Yeah, he's done all right, <laughs> he hasn't he? Like Clive Owen, right? I mean, he hasn't worked since Harry Potter, but he looked... <laughs> has he not? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he might have done, but I don't know. Have you watched the... Um, have you seen the... the 20th anniversary yeah, yeah I thing. watched that it was quite, that was quite good quite interesting yeah. it's alright it was a bit too much brown nose in for me isn't it yeah and, and it, was, uh, it was very American wasn't it yeah very and wind. the emotional bit so I mm. thought oh let's speed that on and watch it in fast yeah but Neil you know, you're dead inside aren't you, you <laughs> yeah. dead <is>. everywhere <laughs> okay uh, Hayley Darren you're number six please okay <laughs> he's giving me this one because this is my childhood trauma Possibly the reason that I became obsessed with horror as well. So um, this is uh, 1990s The Witches, directed by Nicholas Roeg, who'd also directed Don't Look Now. And obviously realising that later on, I can understand why this film has such an atmosphere about it. Um, For me, I saw this in primary school. It was at Christmas time when people would bring VHSs in and the teachers thought, oh, this would be a great kids movie to put on. Well, half of us had to walk out. I stayed, I persevered, but I was absolutely terrified of this film. And we 
had a choice between three scenes, didn't we, for this? But with the one we've gone for is the Grand High Witch when she pulls her face off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is disturbing, isn't it? That movie. Yeah, it has. We get Mr. Beans in it as well, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I remember that was a bit of relief for everyone because when he appeared, everybody just went inside a union, Mr. Bean. So yeah, <laughs> so that, that was like kind of nice that he was in there as a bit of a comfort. But otherwise, no, it's a very, very dark kids film, um, and I just can't believe it's actually made for children. I know Roald Dahl's writing was very dark. And as I say, it's interesting. We've got two of his his uh, works in in this uh, list as well, so it shows testament to him. Mm. But um, we, you know, we've got the scene as well with the painting with the little girl who gets captured by a witch and trapped into a painting until oh, yeah, she disappears, and that sets off the tone for the movie. And then, of course, there's the evil witch um, who tries to um, lure Luke from the treehouse as well. That's quite an unsettling scene because if you're a kid and you're approached by a stranger. It's that sort of, um, like, fear that it provokes. So, um, yeah, The Witches is always one that's held up with me. I even did enjoy the remake. It doesn't have, it doesn't hold up the same, but I still thought they did a pretty good job with it as well. I haven't seen the remake yet. I was going to ask. No, I haven't seen it. Seen it. That's no, um, it's more Anne Hathaway, isn't it? Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Too heavy on the CGI. I think we like the whole um, Jim Henson's workshop effects in the original which definitely make it, but, you know, they make her look so grotesque. Mm. And, yeah, just frightening. God, that's a film I haven't seen for years and years. That's got to be streaming somewhere. I would have thought, isn't it? I'll have to uh, revisit that one. But yeah, Possibly Netflix. I have a feeling it's on Netflix. I think it is. Because where's the remake? Is the remake on Disney Plus? Is the remake Netflix as well? Is that Netflix as well? I actually rented it when it came out because it came out in 2020 and it was like, a, a you know, you could pay for it to watch it. So yeah. that's what I did off iTunes. But it's either Netflix or Amazon, I would say. Right, okay. Rather than Disney. But yeah, it's, it's worth watching. Good performances in it. I kind of liked like, the differences they, they made to it, how they updated it. But And it's got like a Motown um, vibe to it as well, which is quite cool. So it's different. Um mm. I would say, like, kids would be better off probably watching the remake than the original. <laughs> right. Because the original is yeah. just too scary. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm still afraid of this movie now. And I know me and my friend are planning to rewatch it someday. But just those three scenes we watched to um, prepare for this episode, like, I was like, oh my God. No, it still gets me. I'm in my 30s now, and it still gets me. <laughs> went to PG movie, have something where somebody pulls the face off. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I bet that's on the little the thing in the bo- in the box, isn't it? By the PG sign, it'll say people do pull their face off. Right then, Neil, you're number six. So, Event Horizon, the only film I like from Paul W S Anderson, great horror movie, and it's the bit with Sam Neill as Doctor William Weir when he's crawling through the air ducts. It's near the beginning of the movie. Um, it's almost a jump scare, but it. I, it was something I really wasn't expecting. And when he turns around and sees his um, dead wife is behind him, um, absolutely freaked me. And it basically freaked the cinema I was in to the extent that the woman behind us shouted, fuck this, I'm going home and still out. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the movie lives up to that. I think it's a, it's a really well done horror film. It shows Paul W.S. Anderson can direct. So it's a shame he hasn't done it since. Um yeah, a great horror movie. And I really want to watch the director's cut. I've never seen it. Has anybody seen it? It is around some places, isn't it? 
No, because I, I saw it uh, again, a uh, horror festival, Sheffield Horror Festival, played Event Horizon, but it was the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. There were lots of people that hadn't seen Event Horizon before, and it went down the storm. Everybody pretty much loved it because yeah. they just didn't know what they were letting themselves in for. It, it is a great movie, really, really. It's a ghost story in space that yeah. is sort of a journey to hell, isn't it? They're off to hell, yeah. off you yeah. go strap in and we all forget what a great cast is in it like Lawrence Fishburne and Sean Pertwee and Sam Neill and, and Jolie Rich is it Jolie Rich yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah great movie it is batshit crazy that's what it is <laughs> yeah. it's like you again I think from the, the tra- remember seeing the trailer and you think oh it's like it's a sci-fi sort of adventure movie that's great and then I remember everybody was going on about getting it so I thought I'll buy it on Blu-ray Watched it and I can remember like eating my popcorn or and like just stopping eating the popcorn because I thought, what the fuck is going on? This is crazy. It's like no eyes and this whole bloody orgy scene kind of thing going on with blood and guts and god knows what going on. Yeah, it's a great film. It's a great film. Yeah. Right then, my number six is uh, The Wicked Witch and the Flying Monkeys from The Wizard of Oz. Oh, bless you. (laughs) It's another one where even now, I think just that whole. Uh, what's her name? Margaret Hamilton, wasn't it? It, it was, yeah. Um, and I still look at those monkeys and thinking, how how did they do those? Are they real monkeys? But they've got like they they look a little bit distorted. They look a bit weird. But just the whole design of that witch. I mean, it's the, mm. it's the classic witch. But she was just kept me on edge for probably the first twenty years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then every time you see her now, it still is just that thing. That, again, in a movie that is all light and wonderful songs and um, very much like Willy Wonka, you know, there's there's the, not the Olympus, what are they called? Uh, the Munchkins. Okay. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this horrible witch creature thing is just there, this pure evil and very, very scary for children and adults alike, I think. Um, but no one else has got it in their top ten, no? No, no, no. Because I mean, you're, I, I love you're it, hardball, hardball. <laughs> I love The Wizard of Oz. It's one of like my favourite childhood films. Um, I was never too afraid of the witch. Like she unsettled me a little bit, but you know, nothing got me as much as the Grand by Witch. So I'm sorry if you take the the crown there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's another top ten. Top ten witches we can do. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> this is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. 
So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, okay, so Harry, you said Van Nistelrooy at number five. So, Neil, what's your well, number five? We've heard the soundbite loads. It's Aguero. I just, uh, yeah. What, this one? Aguero! <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, whether you love or hate the teams and etc., like you can't admire, you can't but admire his um, goal scoring ability and his uh, ability to find the net, change games completely if he came off the bench. Um, and again, as I look at these players, who wouldn't have wanted him in their squad, you know? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, and we all remember that soundbite there. What, yeah. this one? <laughs> I think everybody but Man United fans leapt out of their seats watching that, didn't oh, they? Without I'm sorry, without sorry, Ollie, but it really was <laughs> a bit of history, wasn't it? We leapt out of our seats it and it was quite funny. <laughs> but yeah, a great goal scorer, goal scorer all round, and what he achieved at City and the amount of goals he did is going to stay there for a very long time, isn't it? For him, so a great, a great player. So Ollie, let's just take you back to that moment <laughs> as a United fan. So were you watching it on TV? Um, yeah, I think I was watching like a multi TV system going on, watching different right. games. Okay, so obviously the United game finished. How? Percentage-wise, how much did you think the job was done? You know what? I just had a few... When you're playing a QPR team with Jerry Barton in there, anything yeah. could happen. Um, yeah, it's, I've, I've tried to delete it from my memory right. many a time. Right. But I do remember not watching football for a long time afterwards. In the same way as we won the treble in 99, I thought that was as good as it can get. Like you might as well give up and now choose a different sport. You know, 2000 was a bleak year. But um, the same as that, I think I wasn't really start playing much of interesting football again for a couple of years. I felt exactly the same 1989 when Arsenal beat us 2-0 with Michael Thomas in the last minute. Was that the minute. game you went to? Uh, that was a game I went to. I was still on the cop that night, yeah. yeah I've never seen so many grown men cry you say. in one place. Yes, yeah. That's my sort of one of my claims to fame, yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, <laughs> let's just have a drink, Holly, and let's just like, <laughs> bring our sorrows. Uh, go on, then, you're number four. 
So this changed it for me. Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. I wasn't particularly a fan of the Bon Jovi and your Def Leppards. I didn't mind them. I've been to see Def Leppard a few times. Uh, They were okay and they were great songs. But they never had that edge, that little bit of gruffness and roughness, you know, that I've been missing since I first discovered Motorhead back in the early 80s. So... Yeah, it was a, it was like almost like your mind was blown. It was I'd never heard rock quite like that. And Axel voice, Axel voices, Axel Rose's voice <laughs> was uh, uh, just amazing to me. I, I had the privilege of seeing them live early in their career in a small venue. So um, I've still got the vinyl that I bought from there, which was Appetite for Destruction. I was a sixteen-year-old whippersnapper. And uh, yeah, it's still an album. I think one of the it would be up there on one of the most the greatest debut albums for me. Yeah, I'm 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 not a massive fan. I have to say, um, you know, I've, I've liked a few of their songs. I've bought a few of their songs. I think I've, I've never bought an album of theirs. Right. Um, I've kind of like just tired with Axl Rose's shtick. Yeah, really? he became a knob. Let's yeah. not face it. He became a knob. But then that's why Slash left the band and it all the other band members and he was still running around as Guns N' Roses when it was just him. Yeah. You know, and he was leaving people late coming on. He was basically Justin Bieber now. <laughs> but he's turned hell. around and they've all <laughs> reformed and they go on tour. I know people have been to see the tour and said they've never sounded better. Really? Um, Axel has probably managed to get therapy for his demons. I mean, he went off to tour with ACDC. That's after, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Brian Johnson couldn't tour anymore. So he became their lead singer. And that, I think, turned him around and made him realise, hang on, we've got something special. Let's bring it back. And yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about the tour now. They're, they do a good two and a half hour set every time. So Another one of those unique voices. As soon as he sings, you know who it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he apparently hasn't lost it now, his oh, voice. Oh, there you go so then. there you go. Okay, um, right, my number four, um, I think this is this guy's last great album, and it's just sneaked in there in 1989, is Flowers in the Dirt by Paul McCartney. Okay, I um, don't know the album, but... You don't know the album? I don't think I do, no. Oh, right, okay, um, some of the songs were written with um, Elvis Costello. Right. So you had, like, My Brave Face, do you remember that one? I think I do. Yeah, um, put it there. And then some good album, some sort of album tracks. That day is done. We got married. Oue le soleil. Don la tête. Um, but it's the, I think it's the last time that he actually sang. Uh, the one, this one and Figure of Eight were some of the singles as well. Okay. Um, Would you say that this album then was, uh, every track was a great track? Not every track. There's a couple of sort of, sort of meandering what personally I thought were meandering album tracks, right. but there's some great McCartney isms, right? Yeah, you know, put I it know there, put it there is a classic McCartney with just a like picking on a on a guitar and an acoustic guitar with a great melody. There's some great melodies. There's a, a great guitar bit in uh, "We Got Married" by Dave Gilmore. Oh, okay, from uh, Pink, Pink Floyd. Floyd That's Dave yeah. Gilmore, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, the, but like I say, it's the last album from Paul McCartney that really, that I think is like a, a great album from start to finish. And that was the, that was 89 or 90 was when we went and saw him. So it was that album that he was touring when we went and saw him live. 
Yeah. Um, and it was a great, great show. A great show live. I can imagine. It's the yeah. one person I've never seen and would I'd still go and see him now. Would you? Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's just... Yeah, I, I still would, just it, to have that experience of seeing him, if you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to say, well, he's a Beatle. That's what he is. Us, is and I'm totally, totally back listening to um, the Abbey Road and Let yeah. It Be album at the moment. It seems yeah, to be on yeah, constant yeah. repeat because of the yeah. Get Back documentary. But... So, Robbie, yeah. you're number three. Uh, I'm getting nervous that you guys aren't going to have this on your list. But, <laughs> That's uh, fine. I, I think my list, my next three videos, you're not going to have. I have Nirvana smells like Teen Spirit. I very nearly had that in uh, my list. I'm a huge Nirvana fan, but I just, mm-hmm. yeah, great video though. It was a great video, and that was again going back to like the Offspring. That was like right around that time. This one was released in '91. I think I, I not re, well, I resonated with Kurt just because he was like the guy that had all the issues, but he had t- severe chronic pain. I had stomach issues that were undiagnosed, and it was just like a a weird like I really resonate with this guy. And yeah, I that's my number three because mm-hmm. he's just amazing. So well, there was never a video like that before that no. was there. No. no, I mean iconic is the word to use for that video exactly and, yeah. yeah because i think it was it, well there was never a song that was like that never a video that was like that mm-hmm. and it was a, it's almost like just that little slice of that time exactly. encapsulated in three and 91 what a year for music pearl jam released 10 right. blood yeah. sugar sex magic the red hot chili peppers nirvana's never mind oh yeah there was i wish a lot. i could go back now yeah and it was if, great if you ever get a chance go check out his old childhood um, city. I just did that a couple two years ago, and it was awesome to go back and like sit on the muddy banks of Wishka and go to the Wishka River and his childhood home, and it was just really cool. So if you ever get a chance, head on over. Sounds good. There you go. There you go. Okay, uh, Neil, you're number three. So it's weapons of choice. Uh, Fat Boy Slim, the Christopher Walken dancing around. I think is a great video. I'm mesmerised in the way Christopher Walken dances like that. How the hell did he jump around like that? <laughs> no, Isn't that it's, a Spike Jones one? Yeah, it is another one. Another Spike. Jones but then one, that's yeah. Fat Boy Slim, isn't it? He used him for a lot of videos. But yeah, anyone think I'm a Spike Jones fanboy? I think Maybe. you are. You, I think you are. I think yeah. you are. Yeah. Secretly, you are. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've liked all of his movies pretty much. Oh, there we go. And his music videos. Yeah. Yeah. But that is a great, that's a real feel-good video. Yeah. When you watch it, you really do feel good. I mean, there's not a lot to it, but Christopher Walken dancing and he choreographed that himself, didn't he? Well, is, well isn't he a trained dancer? Wasn't, or wasn't a, he a trained... Apparently so. Yeah. But he, we'll a, ask, we'll a ask great that mover. Word. A great mover. <laughs> I mean, not as good a mover as Prince, but I mean, he's got some moves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I, that, I did look at that one actually because um, I, I, I didn't realize. I looked at it and then saw that it was directed by uh, Spike, Spike Jones. Jones. Um, but it's one of those ones that I put on still now on YouTube and watch it because it does make me feel good watching the video. Yeah, and I replicate the whole dance in my room. <laughs> I bet you do. Because imagine you hanging off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I even put a suit on and a funny oh, wig. Lovely, lovely. All right, my number three was This Is America, Childish Gambino. Mm. So we've already spoken about that. So back over to you, Robin, for your number two. <sighs> Alanis Morissette. She is one of my all-time favorite singers. Um, I've been lucky enough to see her 
several times. Um, so hand in my pocket. I don't know what version you guys had over there. I know she had a couple of different versions, but this is the one where she's driving in the car, kind of like in a parade, if you will. Um, oh, another one, yeah. Yeah, and it was just, um, she was labeled as the angry woman in the mm. 90s, just because of You Ought to Know, and there was so much more to that album, and this is one of those songs, and it just, um, she was such a great performer. I actually saw her back in 96, and she was just amazing mm. live, and it was just, uh, she was just amazing. And she's one of my all-time, she's in my top 10 artists for all time actually so she did quite a few good videos didn't she because ironic yeah. in the car uh, with the four of herself that, is a great was, video there were three videos that were in my top two and it was the ironic the um everything i don't know if you saw that where she's walking down um it's like a desert road and then she has all these people behind her and she's taking off her jacket and that one's a really good one too so. yeah and thank you is a very good video as well that's a really good one yeah so she has a lot of good videos um i just i don't know there's something about her driving in that car down that street and just yeah i just love that so great choice very good. I, I I must admit, I don't think I've seen Hand in My Pocket, so I'm going to have to look Ooh. at that one on YouTube. That, yeah. But it's like you say, it's weird how one song can stick with an artist and then that's how people mm-hmm. perceive them. That's how people think that yeah. they are. And I think right. that is, I think you're right with Alanis Morissette, is that people think that she's this angsty, really pissed off, upset. <laughs> yeah, my, we just saw her um, last August, actually. And my dad was like, you're going to go see her? She's that angry woman from the 90s. And I'm like, you know, she's released like several albums since then. She has three <laughs> kids. She's been married for 10 years. Like, you know, people grow up and people learn. And, you know, and she's mm. the stuff that she's writing about is like, it's true to her. And that's her prerogative. So, yeah. You know, mm. I don't, I definitely, there's people with my number one, you'll see that I, I like an artist that can progress and move forward in whichever way that they feel is necessary. So mm. Mm. Alanis is not always angry. Yes, she was at some point, but move Wasn't on. she discovered by Madonna? I, I don't believe. think it was Madonna. Mm. Because I know she, she signed, was, she was the first artist to sign to a record label, Maverick, wasn't she? Yes. And she was actually, she had a Canadian album first. She was, right. um, she, that was a pop album with her hair all. Yeah, it was just. Yeah. I mean, to me, Alanis Morissette will always just be God in from Dogma. The from Dogma? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's that's why I always think of her first. Yeah. Uh, go on then, Neil. You're number two. This is quite predictable, but I still think today it's an amazing video. It's Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. I think it's a phenomenal video. It's it really reminds me of when people artists took pride and <laughs> released great videos. Uh, and as you said, modern videos seem to be a bit wet, behind, wet really, don't they? Um, yeah. So I love the Ardman animation in it all. Um, it took forever to film for Peter Gabriel, and you can tell. And <clears throat> personally, I still think it holds up, but I may be seeing that in rose tinted glasses really but i love it and i love peter gabriel anyway yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. that's all i gotta say about that (laughs) (laughs) so rob what is your number two uh avengers endgame okay so that's that's a spoiler to my number one (laughs) i think it is yeah yeah but I, i i uh yeah 
it's hard to say without spoiling what my number one is but um, yeah I just yeah I think I would be very surprised if all three of us haven't got the same as number one and number two to be honest I was very undecided I didn't know which way to go uh, when I first watched uh, Endgame I I preferred Infinity War I much prefer that. Let's let's just talk. Let's just talk about openly Infinity yeah. War and Endgame. I think that's the they best are way. One, they're all package. Oh well, there oh, you go. There see, you go. all over. Rob's got a big, massive fist full of diamonds. They're <laughs> <laughs> uh, in. Oh, shut up. Sorry. Um, Infinity War is my number one because it's just I love it. Every time you watch it, you're on. You're on the. You're. You're. You know, it takes you on that journey. Like, mm. yeah. I think the, the the bit that really gets me is when um, Doctor Strange portals into the park and then Tony's, the look on Tony's face and you're like, yeah, this shit is real. And then boom, he's explaining Thanos. And, oh my God, we've watched this for 10 years. Now it's all happening. Now they know about Thanos. Because I've been, I was like watching those films from Guardians looking because I knew Thanos was in Avengers Assemble. And I was like, is this really going to happen? And then you, you know, the little glimpses you saw of him we gradually got looked better and then looked amazing in Infinity War um I don't know I just think it's it for if you think about what it has to do and what it's trying to do and how it actually achieves it all so well and then it has the cliffhanger again I'd read the comics so I knew what I, th- I thought it was going to end with that and half the world dying um and so I wasn't necessarily supply, surprised but I was kind of shocked that they'd actually done it um, I love the way at the end, like the, when it, it said Avengers Infinity War and it did kind of like, because you're expecting the post-credits and it just dusts off. And yeah. like, Thanos will return. Like, what? We had to wait a year. Uh, we're just saying, God, it wasn't in the pandem- pandemic time. Oh my God, yeah. It would have been awful, wouldn't but, it? Yeah. I think me and, like, me and my brothers, we saw Infinity War like four times in a week or something crazy. You know, it's just, it's just I love it. It's amazing mm. Yeah. So, so Neil, is is yours the opposite way around? I've, I've put Endgame and uh, primarily just because of that. La- where well, you've spoken about it already, when they all appear, every one of them appear at the end. It is it is a movie moment, you know, that's gone down in history and will stay there. And I think that just edged it for me. Just rewatching it and seeing that moment again, I realised that fuck that's that's a magical moment isn't it <laughs> i think it's it's i've said it before the first well no i think I, I think i went and saw it four or five times in the cinema end game yeah and every single time i was looking for people to go with you know do you want to go and see end game come on let's go and see end game just because i wanted to see it again and that that moment when it's on your left when the falcon is um just clicking in uh captain america's ear and then the little portal opens and Black Panther walks through it. Mm. I had a massive smile on my face, but just tears just streaming down my face because it was like happy, not a happy sad, but a happy, like they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And then all the portals opened. Oh my God. And then when Molnir goes back into, you know, Avengers assemble. Oh, fucking hell, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and you think... It is one of those moments, apart from Star Wars moments, it is the greatest moment in cinema, I think. It just is. And I know that people would say, no, but it's nothing but CGI on the screen and it's just computers. It doesn't matter. There is what would have been, I suppose, it would have been 10 years at that moment, 10, 11 years when that came out. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Of, of setting up 
with each individual movie and um, end credit scene all culminating in the, whatever it was, 15 minutes of that movie, but in that one shot where all the portals have opened and all those characters that you've grown to love and cherish and you don't want to die, it's just, it is absolutely magical. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, Infinity War is a thing is Infinity War is a great setup to to what they've, when it's not a setup, it's, it's what they lose. And the fact that the first half an hour of Endgame is showing them lose again. What a fucking gut punch that, that is. The fact that you think, all right, well, they're back, so they're gonna they're gonna work it out. And then the fact that t- that Tony loses everything in the end. Um, but what you were saying about that one moment when Cap- when Doctor Strange walks through that portal in Infinity War, for me, the moment that always gets me now is dur- is during the final battle when Doctor Strange looks at Tony and just puts his one finger up. Mm. Now I've had people where they've said that they like, they thought that that means certain things, but for me, that means this is, this is the one time that we win. And Tony knows what he's got to do. And he knows that he's going to die. That for me is beautiful because then Mm. it means Tony Stark has had this 10 year arc where at the start of it, he was a selfish playboy billionaire that didn't give a shit about anybody just selling guns and weapons to then sacrificing himself for everybody on the planet and everybody in the universe. I mean, fucking hell, what an arc. What an arc to have it in, was. in, it was in movies. It's huge, isn't it? It's absolutely huge. Oh, I need to watch it again. <laughs> I do. I, it's, it's definitely, I think it's in my top five movies of all time. I think Endgame. I like to just clump them together because you can't have one without the other. Yeah, right, it's, can it you? is tough, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's close between one and two. But I, I, something about Infinite War, I just love Mm. I sort of know what you mean. I felt the same way in Lord of the Rings. Everybody seems to love like two towers and that, but I'm all the Fellowship of the Ring. I love that build in that sort of movie. So that grows with me, those sort of things. I must admit, 15 minutes ago, I thought this was going to be the first in 29 episodes where everybody had the same number one. I really thought, Rob, you were going to choose. You were going to have Endgame as your number one. So had to have. So so we still haven't had like a perfect all three of us at number one. No. I mean, it's just, I think this was as close as it's going to be, I think, because... Well, because um, I was back and forth. I kept changing it. The scribble's out on my sheet here because <laughs> I've gone well, back and forth. I, but I, I was... I mean, Endgame was the first one that I put in my top ten at number one. It was never going to be anything else but Endgame for me. Just of because of how I felt in the cinema. Every single... And even now, I remember my, my daughter... Um, it must have been on Sky or I was watching it on Disney Plus or whatever it was. And it was halfway through and my daughter came and sat down. She hadn't seen Infinity War, but she sat down with Endgame. Um, and she was crying at the end when Tony Stark died. <laughs> and then she looked over at me and I <laughs> I was crying. And I'd seen it like eight, nine times or whatever it was. And like she didn't have any of the context of what had happened before. We're not a massive Marvel fan. She hasn't watched loads of the films. But it got her, and that was just her sitting down halfway through the film and watching it. So mm. they know what they're doing at Marvel. That's the thing. Well, that's yeah, the so thing. far so good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you sit there. How also? How like you like you know going into Spider Man? Like when you go to the cinema and you know it's one of those big films, and there's always like, oh, is it going to be? Sh-? You know, is it going to be shit? Yeah. But you know, with 
Marvel that no, it's going to, you're in safe hands, like with Endgame, like the first, like the music that plays over the, oh no, no, it was the Hawkeye bit and you're, when Thanos snaps. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> and same with Infinity War, just the start. It's just, I don't know, you're in, you are in safe hands with the MCU. Le- less so now with the, um, the TV shows where it, everything is being spread a little bit thin. But um, it's probably yeah. another one. It's all still in the same frame, isn't it? It's all in the same framework. It's all still, I think, got the same curtain around it where it's being yeah. pushed in a certain direction. Like I said before, my only thing is is that I find it hard to engage with the new characters they've got. I think because I've been so, I've been so in with Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, that I'm finding like it's really hard to engage with like Shang Chi and the Eternals. Um, I mean, I think the Spider Man was was definitely something that gave me a bit more of a boost because Doctor Strange was in it. I'm I'm still getting over Harry Styles being Thanos' brother. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I've watched enough videos now that it's justified it in my head <laughs> on like new rock stars, but or whatever. But yeah, at the start I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, obviously the movies, the next few movies that are coming out is going to be is Thor: Love and Thunder. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So it is a lot of the established yeah. characters. And like you said before, you've, the introduction of like X-Men and Fantastic Four coming up is going to make it a lot more interesting again. So it's, I just don't know whether it, if it goes way big. I don't know. I don't know whether you're going to get that same feeling like I did in Endgame. Yeah, you will. I'm you sure will. I will. <laughs> I'm sure. In 2020, weren't we now 22? It's got to be what, 2024, 2025. Yeah. Because we wouldn't have had anything since like DC aren't going to do anything. No. Yeah. What's the next Marvel out as we speak? I think it's Doctor Strange, isn't it? The second Doctor Strange. I think it's Doctor Strange and then it's Thor, I think. Oh, no. Well, yeah. Or Moon Knight is technically the next one. Oh, the series. Yeah. 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 That looks intriguing. That really does. Yeah, I mean they're doing well. I think that I mean, I thought that the the Loki TV series was really interesting, um, which opened up a lot of things. Um, Hawkeye was a bit yeah for me. I thought it was okay. I don't know what you. I enjoyed thought. Hawkeye more than I did Winter Soldier. Uh, the uh, Winter Soldier and the Falcon. Oh, same. I didn't like Falcon and Winter Soldier at all. No, it's very average that one. Because mm. really, you all you needed, and that was right. Here's here is the new Captain America. I mean. I don't know. It's just there were things like I didn't like the 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 who's the the baddie who was in uh, Solo. I don't know her name. Oh, Donald Glover. No, 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 no but, um, that character. I can't remember her name. Yeah, it just it was a, too much. I didn't really enjoy. But of you know the reveal of Falcon as Captain America was amazing. But yeah, and, I think the thing with that one is I'm sure they've consciously worried about the people that aren't going to watch the TV series. So it needs, because if you look at that, at the end of Endgame, um, the old cap, if you like, gives um, Winter Soldier, not Winter Soldier, the Falcon, the shield. By the end of the TV series, he's got the shield. So you don't have to have seen that movie, the, the TV series, to know what's going on with, with the Falcon. Mm-hmm. So... I don't. I don't know. The trouble they've got with that then is if they're going to start having more TV series, 
that they have to make sure that the the run through the the line going through all of the you know the different multiverses or whatever it is still lines up if for people that haven't seen it but then again it, it how many people that have watched no way home i mean i suppose they'll go back and maybe watch the toby Maguire spider-man because they might not have been alive when the original spider-man came out maybe it picks up new fans i don't know mm. be interesting to see well we shall find out won't we <laughs> Somebody somewhere is in a little room in the Disney offices working it all out. Well, Kevin Feige probably with a big massive blackboard or something with lines everywhere, like a like a murder scene or whatever it is when they try to somebody trying to solve a murder where it's all like red twine going from one bit to another. He knows what's going on. So, Lucy, what is your number one toy you wanted or had as a child? Night Rider car. that was i wasn't expecting that no i absolutely lived for knight rider it was everything and every year as a kid i remember going when you had to go and sit on santa's knee which was a bit weird um i always asked for a knight rider annual because that was easy you know the specials you got out the catalog never got one i got one of those teeny tiny little night rider cars but you could get the bigger ones i never got one of them but i think more than anything because your imagination can run wild as a kid can't it and because i didn't understand how cars worked i remember sitting in the back of the car one time and my dad was driving us somewhere and he set off and we started moving and he didn't have his hands on the steering wheel all right <laughs> and i started thinking oh my God, we've got a kit car. Like, I was, because I, I, I thought, because you just, you know, when you're little, I was probably, yeah. I don't know, how old would I have been when that was five, six or something? Um, I just thought that the steering wheel was what drove the car. I didn't understand that there were pedals and things. So I honestly thought it was magic. We had some kind of kit car and I, you know, my imagination was just running wild that we were doing turbo boost and all kinds of like weird shit down the road to Leicester or wherever we were going, where I lived when I was younger. But I, I just, everything about the Night Rider programme. Do you remember it when the soundtrack hit that music and how excited you would feel when the Night Rider soundtrack came on? Yeah. It's just brilliant. Anyway, I never got the Night Rider special as a kid. When I was traveling, I was living in New Zealand for a while and it was my birthday and my friend Sarah sent me this. (laughs) Which I've kept hold of. So I've had this now for about 20 years and um and it's fabulous. And she's she's put like little notes in it. Lucy wants a night rider annual, huh? Well go back in time and get her one. And so it's uh, (laughs) this was when um eBay just people were just starting to use eBay and stuff around then. So this to me was just so novel and fabulous, but yeah, I just anything Night Rider would, yeah. Okay. I was disappointed. So <laughs> it, it isn't specifically the Night Rider car, then. It is anything Night Rider, then. Well, or I mean, the ultimate would be having kit, right. wouldn't it? Right. Like, imagine if that was parked on my driveway. I've got yeah. a Scirocco, which I like, but imagine having. And I did a bit of research tonight to remind myself what else he did kit yeah. he did some amazing stuff so he he he, he well he was he had a, a mm. male voice didn't he? yeah 
could uh, it had flamethrowers in the car, but also fire extinguishers because you know safety and all that, safety. very health and safety. Uh, yeah. Could could uh, fill the car with oxygen so that if the car went underwater, everybody would survive. So it would be full of oxygen. Had some kind of pyroclastic lamination, something or other. So basically, <laughs> could go through lava. And, and survive. I mean, this car was hard as nails and, you know, the turbo boost and when night went, when the car went up and like jumped over flames or buildings or whatever, wasn't it just the most amazing thing? I don't know if it's just me. I'm very passionate <laughs> yeah. about Night Rider. Well, the but... other thing it also had was it had the Hoff, didn't it? I mean, you know, the Hoff, the Hoff was there. I mean, he's a superhero just on his own anyway, so... Yes. That's a good yeah, one. I wasn't, after all of your other ones, I wasn't expecting Knight Rider to be your number one, I have to admit. <laughs> I have to admit. Well done. Very good. Um, go on then, Neil. Your number one. So this Christmas, uh, back when I was a childhood, me and my brother had loads of Star Wars toys given to us. I was given the Attack. My brother was given the Millennium Falcon. The next year, I so desperately wanted Millennium Falcon, but I never got it. And I'm still envious that you've got it, Per. So uh, <clears throat> I was allowed to play with my brother's uh, Millennium Falcon. Um, he, he would allow me to play with that one if I would let him play with the Attack, etc. But yeah, I always wanted my. And didn't you say no? Sod off! You wouldn't let me play with your Donkey Kong. <laughs> no, that was that was later on actually. Oh, right. Donkey okay. Kong, yeah. Okay. But yes, just the Millennium Falcon. Probably what you've got up in the attic, Pav. I'll buy it off you for 20 quid. (laughs) 20 quid. Uh, It is a thing of beauty, though. That's the thing. I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen what, because obviously they've re-released them, uh, how how Mm. well they're made now, you know, in in regards to what you get with them and and how big they are and and stuff. But I've never seen. I mean, I was in the Lego store in Bristol at the weekend and uh, they've got that huge one for £700. Yeah. I I couldn't do something that size of Lego because I've done a BB-8 in Lego that my grandson got hold of and smashed to bits and that Mm. took took long enough. I got my Yoda, my baby Yoda, my Grogu behind somewhere there. I don't know where it is. Um, That took long enough. So to do something that is like, I mean, how many pieces is that? Oh, I didn't even look. Thousands, I just kept saying, seen. £700, is that? Can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> I really was tempted. But that's, another, thought, no. that's another thing, isn't it? Is that we now have the thing that we didn't have as children. We have money. We yeah. have money that if we... I mean, obviously, it would be wrong to do that. But if we took this month's mortgage money or this month's rent money and thought, I'm going to go and buy... A Lego Millennium Falcon. Yeah. And let's see what people say about that. It doesn't matter because no. you're, you're the boss now. I wish it was as easy as that. Eh? I know. I wish it was. We all do, Neil. We all do. <laughs> um, okay, my number one is is the is is the one that I genuinely almost bought for 149 pounds off eBay. It's the six million dollar man doll. Um, the one reason that I loved this apart uh, more than an action man was he had socks. <laughs> you never got that with, with like men dolls had a wonderful red tracksuit, brilliant red trainers, but he had white socks. 
They he never does. had that. You just, you know, action men just had boots they, and on their plain feet. They never had socks. Well, we had a. I don't know whose it was. We had a six million dollar. I, I had one, but yeah. I, it's one of those ones that I wish I'd kept. I wish yeah. I'd kept hold of it because um, you could open his arm, couldn't? Yeah, you? and, and the then look had through his eye, bionics. Yeah, and you tilted his head to one side, put the engine in his hand, and then he had a little That's button on his back that would wrench the engine up. Um, and he had socks. socks. I'm sorry, I'm not going to let it go. He had so socks. Basically, you want toy socks. <laughs> I want toy socks. And I cannot lie. No. I <laughs> <laughs> and I, there are various versions of him on eBay, um, but a boxed one, like f- with everything there fully done, is 149 quid. Yeah. Um, but well, oh great, my God. Yeah. Oh, and it really fantastic. did look like Lee Majors. It really looked like Lee Majors. Yeah. And I and again, the same as you with um Knight Rider Lucy, I was a massive fan of the Six Million Dollar Man TV show. Um just and I it, it's only when you're older then you realise how stupid that whole slow motion thing is, which is supposed yeah. to equate to him running really fast because <laughs> everything around him is still going the same. Um, yeah, the same speed as well, but yeah, that's my number one. Oh, Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.